Chapter Eight of Fern's Hollow. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Fern's Hollow by Hesba Stretton. Chapter Eight. Stephen and the Gamekeeper. Martha's exclamation of surprise and delight at seeing the leveret was the first sound that Stephen heard in the morning, but he preserved a sullen silence as to his absence the previous night, and Martha was too shrewd to press him with questions. They had not been unused to such fare during their father's lifetime, and it was settled between them that she should come down from the Bilberry Plain early in the afternoon to make a feast of the leveret by the time of Stephen's return from the pit. All day long Stephen found himself treated with marked distinction and favour by Black Thompson and his comrades, to some of whom he heard him say, in a loud whisper, that Stephen would show himself a chip of the old block yet. At dinner they invited him to sit within their circle, where he laughed and talked with the best of them, and was listened to as if he were already a man. How different to his usually hurried meal between the horses that worked like himself in the dark, close passages, but did not, like him, ascend each evening to the grassy fields and the pure air of the upper earth. Stephen had a true tenderness in his nature toward these dumb fellow laborers, and they loved the sound of his voice and the kindly patting of his hand, but somehow he felt as if they knew how he had left his faithful old snip unburied on the open hillside where Black Thompson had found him in his passion the evening before. He was not sorry for what he had done. He would avenge himself on the gamekeeper again whenever there was an opportunity. Even now he promised Black Thompson, when they were away from the other colliers, to show him the haunts of the scarce black grouse, which would be so valuable to the gamekeeper. And he enjoyed Black Thompson's applause. But there was a sore pang in his heart as he remembered dead Snip, unburied on the hillside. Supper was ready when he reached home, and what a savoury smell came through the open door, quite down to the wicket. Of course, Snip was not watching for him, and little Nan also, instead of looking out for him as usual, was waiting eagerly to be helped, for as soon as Stephen was seen over the brow of the hill, Martha poured her dainty stew into a large brown dish, and she had already portioned out a plateful for the grandfather few words were uttered for martha was hot and rather testy and stephen felt a sullen weight hanging upon his spirits only every now and then the old grandfather chuckling and mumbling over the uncommon delicacy would call stephen by his father's name of james and thank him for his rare supper good evening said miss anne's voice and as the light from the doorway was darkened all the party looked up quickly and stephen felt himself growing hot and cold by turns your stupper smells very nice martha there's been some good cooking done to-day oh miss anne cried martha colouring up with excitement and fear it is a young leveret miss jones the gamekeeper's wife gave me for some knitting i'd done for her 
she said it'd be a treat for grandfather i've been cooking it all evening ma'am and it's very toothsome if you'd only just taste a mouthful it'd make me ever so proud thank you martha said miss anne smiling i am quite hungry with climbing the hill and if it's as good as the bread you gave me the other day i shall enjoy having my supper with you stephen scarcely heard what miss anne said to him while he watched martha bustling about to reach out a grand china plate which was one of the great treasures of their possessions and he looked on silently as she chose the daintiest morsels of the stew but when she moved the little table nearer to the door and laid the plate and knife and fork upon it before miss anne he started to his feet unable to sit still and see her partake of the food which he had procured in such a manner don't touch it don't taste it miss anne he cried excitedly oh please to come out with me to the bent of the hill and i'll tell you why but don't eat any of it he darted out of the door before martha could stop him and ran down the green path to a place where he was out of sight and hearing of his home waiting breathlessly for miss anne to overtake him it was some minutes before she came and her face was overcast and troubled but she listened in silence while without concealment but with many bitter and passionate words against the gamekeeper and excuses for his own conduct he confessed to her all the occurrences of the night before every moment his agitation increased under her quiet mournful look of reproach until as he came to the close he cried out in a sorrowful but defiant tone oh miss anne i could not bear it do you remember she asked in a low and tender voice how poor snip used to follow me down to this very spot and sit here till i was out of sight i was very fond of poor old snip stephen yes her voice trembled and tears were in her eyes the proud bulwark which stephen had been raising against his grief was broken down in a moment he sank down on the turf at miss anne's feet and no longer checking the tears which had been burning in his eyes all day he wept and sobbed vehemently until his passion had worn away and now said miss anne sitting down beside him i must tell you that though i am not surprised i am very very grieved stephen if you knew your bible more you would have read this verse in it god is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it did no way of escape open to you stephen then stephen remembered how he had heard dear little nan calling piteously to him as he passed fern's hollow with black thompson and how his heart yearned to go to her though he had resisted and conquered this saving impulse you do not know much continued miss anne but if you had followed out all you do know instead of poaching with black thompson that you might revenge yourself for snip being killed you would have been praying for them that persecute you the bible says that not a sparrow falls to the ground without our father so god knew that poor snip was shot but why did he not hinder it asked stephen speaking low and distinctly stephen said miss anne earnestly suppose that i lived in a very grand palace where there were many things that you had never seen 
and i wanted little nan to come and live with me not as a servant but as my dear child would it be unkind of me to send her first to a school where she could learn how to read the books and understand the pictures and play the music she would find in my palace even if the lessons were often hard and some of her schoolfellows were cruel and unkind to her would it not be better for her to bear it for a little while until she was made ready to live with me as my own child the young lady paused for a few minutes while stephen pictured to himself the grand palace and little nan being made fit to live in it and when at last he raised his brown eyes to hers bright with a pleasant thought she went on in a quiet reverential tone perhaps we could not understand any of the things of heaven so our father which is in heaven sends us to school here we are learning lessons all our life long there is not a single trouble that comes to us but is to teach us the meaning of something we shall meet with there we should not be happy to hear the angels singing a song which we could not understand because we had missed our lessons down here oh miss anne cried stephen i feel as if i could bear anything when i think of that only i wish i was as strong as an angel patience is better than strength said miss anne in a tone as if she were speaking to herself patiently to bear the will of god and patiently to keep his commandments is greater and more glorious than the strength of an angel black thompson was so kind to me all day to-day said stephen sighing and now he'll be ten times worse if i go back from telling him where the black game is you must do right replied miss anne with a glance that brought back true courage to the boy's heart and remember that blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven now good night stephen go and bury poor snip while there is still daylight in some quiet place where you can go and think and read and play sometimes stephen returned to the hut for a spade and then went with a strange blending of grief and gladness to the place where he had left his poor dog he chose a solitary yew-tree on the hill for burial-ground and dug as deep a grave as he could among the far-spreading roots it was strange only such things do happen now and then that while he was working away hard and fast with the dead dog lying by under the trunk of the yew-tree the gamekeeper himself passed that way he had been in a terrible temper all day for he had discovered the mischief done down in the fir coppice and the loss of his carefully preserved covey the sight of stephen and dead snip irritated him though a feeling of shame crept over him as he saw how tear-stained the boy's face was mr jones said stephen i've something to say to you be sharp then replied the gamekeeper and mind what you're about i'll not take any impudence from a young rascal like you it's no impudence answered stephen only i know to some black game and i wanted to tell you about them black game he said contemptuously a likely story there's been none these half dozen years it's four years since answered stephen i remember because grandfather and i saw them the day mother died when little nan was born 
I couldn't forget them or mistake them after that. They are at the head of the Black Valley, where the quaking noise begins. I'm sure I'm right, sir. You're not making game of me, asked Jones, laughing heartily at his own wit. Well, my lad, if this is true, it will be worth something to me. Arky, I'm sorry about your dog, and you shall choose any one of mine you like, if you'll promise to keep him out of mischief. I couldn't have another dog in Snip's place, replied Stephen, in a choked voice. At any rate, not yet. Thank you, sir. Well, said the gamekeeper, shouldering his gun and walking off, I'll be your friend, young Fern, when it does not hurt myself. End of chapter 8